It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on this Taco Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you missed the first part of our Bronson Arroyo interview, make sure you check out yesterday's podcast today. We've got the final part, part two of this two-part interview with the ace of the staff of the Locked On Reds podcast, Bronson Arroyo. We're going to jump into that here in just a moment. He looks at his expectations for the 2020 Reds and got a nice little bit at the end. He's writing an album and recording it and getting it all finalized. Kind of a fun conversation there at the end of today's podcast about that as well. Before we jump in, though, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter, as always, at Jeff Carr with three Fs and the show at Locked On Reds. And today's show, as it has been since really the beginning of uh, February anyway, is brought to you by Arizona Tourism. Spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of Greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona's known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training, everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice, warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. All right, without further ado, let's jump into part two of the Bronson Arroyo interview. We've got a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, a lot of expectations now. Where The Reds won 75 games last year to make the jump that we're all hoping that they can make. And, and like uh, on Jim Day's podcast with Joey Vada, Jim Day thought that you know their ceiling is like 95 wins. Right. How good, and I know you said you're still getting to know some of the guys on the roster, how good do you think they can be? Well, I've always said, I said it probably last time we were on the podcast, I consistently say – 
that you know your baseball team is going to function as good as your five starting pitchers, mm-hmm. right? We just have the ball in our hands too much. It's like having a good or a bad quarterback on a football team. I mean, how many how many games would the Patriots have won in comparison to if you take Tom Brady out of the equation and add somebody very mediocre over the last fifteen years? You know what does that what does that fifteen year win loss record look like in comparison to what it is? Right? It's going to be right. really effective because the one guy with the ball in his hands a lot is Tom. And I, I feel that way about starting pitching. I think it dictates everything about the game, from the pace that they pitch to you know how how, how long your defenders are out on the field and all that. Um, so I, I think they they have definitely improved by bringing. Um, obviously, Sonny came last year. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have before. Um, you've got Wade Miley from the left side, which you know a lot of people might look at his his stuff. Not a hard thrower. But he's, he's a guy who's going to solidify rotation as I did. He's going to take the ball every fifth day. He stayed healthy his whole career. Um, he, he's a bulldog. He goes out there and competes, right? And right. you're looking for that in the back end of your rotation. You know, you can look at a guy like Tyler Malley, right? And you say his stuff's fantastic, but he hasn't really – he hasn't put together – he hasn't put together a season like, like, like um, Wade Miley has, right? And so there's this kind of – cement that you want to be in between your your guys that are superstars right you really need these consistent players and i've always said that in your rotation if you could have that you give your chance to uh, give your team a chance to win every fifth day right mm-hmm. every single time you t- that that starter takes a turn that you know you got a chance to win and when you have guys coming in and out of the rotation you're constantly moving those guys cuz someone's hurt or because they're not getting the job done and you at the end of the season you look instead of having five starters that we as we did in 2012 mm-hmm. right the whole season you now have had 15 guys who've taken the ball on the mound when you see that in any given team it's probably not a playoff team right so i think they've done a good job and adding to the rotation, hopefully guys like Castillo are going to continue to do what they did last year and get better. Sonny Gray will have another good season. Hopefully, you, you hope that Trevor Bowers is um, more comfortable in this locker room than he was last year, and he can give you um, a, a good solid season. So I, I think they're off to a good start there. I also think that in that same vein, a guy like Moustakas is is um, you know Moose is a guy who I don't know him personally, but watching his game, hearing his reputation in the locker room, and being on teams that win consistently, being in the playoffs consistently, you know he looks like a guy who is that consistent force. The reason we couldn't win the big dance back in ten, eleven, and twelve with the team we had is because we had too many guys that weren't consistent at the plate. We had, they were up and down guys, guys like Jay Bruce who popped thirty homers in a year, but they also struck out too much. Drew Stubbs, swing and miss guy, right? We had too many swing and miss guys. You needed more guys who could scrap like a Brandon Phillips, foul balls off, hit two seventy five consistently and see year in and year out that's what you were getting from that production. So if you take guys, if you teams that really win the whole thing They've got some superstars, and they have sprinkled in enough guys who are really consistent. It's what I think the Cardinals do so well, year in and year out, right? They pound the zone, but they also have scrappy guys at the plate who put the ball in play. They get their bunts down. They move the runners over. So I see this offseason for the Reds as a quiet one. They strategically acquired some guys that weren't big names, but it's exactly what you probably need. Where Does that take them from 75 wins to 95 wins? That's a big leap. That's a big leap. You know, we haven't played over 500 since 2013, I don't believe, when I left, right? Right. And so I think that's your goal. Get over 500. If you get lucky and you can win over 90 games and, and get into the playoffs, that's awesome. But you just got to get your head above water first and foremost. And I think that starting rotation gives them that opportunity. So you mentioned Maui. I know you crossed paths with him in Arizona. The fact that given this rotation a lefty, they haven't had a really strong lefty in a little while. Miley we're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miley, yeah. Did I say Miley? You said Miley, yeah. I said Miley. <laughs> that happens. Uh, 
But we're talking about Ma- Miley. Miley. Miley, Miley, Miley. Talking about Miley. Uh, how big of a deal is it to have that lefty in the rotation? Because I know there's plenty of teams that go all year with five right-handers. But is it a big deal to have that lefty? I think it is. I think it, I think it's a big deal to have a lefty in your rotation. One, you know, let's just say that you know you get in you get in the playoffs and um, you know you've got that one starter in the rotation who's not going to make not going to be your top three guy, but he's also going to be able to go down and contribute from the left side in the bullpen, who who can either eat up some innings in a game like that if you have to bridge the gap to get to the back end of the bullpen, or somebody can just come in for a lefty lefty matchup. Right. I mean, Wade's been around the game a long time. I know him well. You know, he's as carefree as I was playing the game. He doesn't really live with a lot of stress on his head. You know, I give him the ball. I give him I I want to Wade Miley on my team any day of the week. I hope he stays healthy. I hope that what I'm saying comes true and that he has a solid season. He's getting towards the back end of his career and he's not a hard thrower. But I'll take I take five Wade Miley's on my team. Any day of the week, and um, to have the lefty in the in the rotation, I think it, it does matter because now it also gives you some it gives you a little bit of versatility to be able to match up against some teams who are just going to stack all their um, their lefties in a lineup against you day in and day out, right? It'll right. at least give you the opportunity to just break that series up and get the one lefty in there who maybe can equalize that lineup against some teams that really you know these days you know with the shifts on defense and with the ability to 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 try to like really break the game down into to, to three outs in the ninth inning and three outs in the eighth inning and the way they're using their bullpens and the way that they're using guys off the bench has always been these lefty-righty matchups. It feels like that strategy has, has been highlighted and people are doing it more and more. And so I think to have some versatility on your own club, to have a lefty in that rotation does matter. We're going to jump into some more talk. Looking at this upcoming season, I pick his brain about pitching into the defensive shift and – we get to talking about what it's like creating an album. But before we get to all of that, I want to jump into today's Fantasy Minute. Brought to you by League Commish. On today's Fantasy Minute for Tuesday, February 18th, we're looking at our man, Joseph Daniel Vada. We've talked ad nauseum that 2019 was not the best of years for Joey and probably the worst of his career. So will he bounce back in 2020? Thoughts are yes. Thoughts are that his OPS is going to jump back into the 800s. Doesn't necessarily mean an uptick in power, but he'll be on base more. A 380 clip is something to look forward to. Not, I mean, you know, don't, don't bet the bank on it by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not that hard to believe that he could jump back into the 380 on base percentage realm. With that means more base hits, more walks. He's going to be able to come around and score some more too, especially if they have him batting out of this two hole the whole year. And he's going to be brought around by the middle of the order that has been revamped so well and is now so strong. So in 2020, expect a slight uptick from Joey. I'm not thinking that he's going to be a very highly sought-after early-round pick, but he could be a very solid utility hitter spot for you. I don't know that you're spending your starting first base slot. You want, especially on a fantasy roster, you want your first baseman to really be your powerhouse, and Joey just isn't that anymore but he could be a nice depending on your league roster setup if you've got corner infield positions like first base slash third base he could be a good spot there or just in the utility hitter spot as well 
but he will have a little bit of a better year, I feel. And, and some of the things that I'm reading, he's going to have a little bit of a better fantasy year in 2020 as compared to 2019. And that's your Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commish for Tuesday, February 18th. And speaking of League Commish, what are you doing for the game? That's a universal question. Whether the casual follower that tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the statner, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, I like that one, the couldn't care less, or the makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in sports fandom. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's an easy it, it's as easy as sign up with your preferences, get matched and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering the code LOCKED ON in the referred by section of the sign up form. The first 25 people to sign up using this code receive their first match for free. That's code LOCKED ON. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. There's something that I've always wondered with the shift and with the pitching philosophies of some guys. Like, could you, if the shift was big, you know, back in the mid-2000s and stuff like that, could you have pinpointed where you throw the ball to make them hit into the shift? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can strategically pick sides. I mean, you can – but, you know, it depends on what the hitter's trying to do to you. So, you know, let's just say that we've got a lefty up to the plate, I'm pitching – and we've got a shift all the way over towards the second base side. You've got your shortstop on the other side of second base, and it's really heavy over there on the first base side. Defensively, um, you can think about it. You know, I, I could throw fastballs on the inner half mm-hmm. and hopefully get the guy to pull the ball. Or I could also throw him sinkers down and away and hope that he tries to pull it and rolls over it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, there's more than one way to try to get the same result. But there's also more than one way for the batter to defense against that. So if I was pitching, if you tried that same theme, let's say, with the Derek Jeter at the plate and stacked the whole left side and I threw the ball in the inner half, he's just going to keep his hands on the inside and hit the ball inside out over second base or flare it to right field. And so you have to kind of know these guys' tendencies. That's obviously why they're shading them that way. But if the hitter is versatile versatile enough, he's going to be able to make the adjustment on either side of the plate to not hit the ball in that area. The problem is, is that... By the time you're a professional athlete and you play at the big league level, we do some things well and we usually do some things not so well. Mm. And part of that is how you take advantage of guys knowing that someone can't hit the ball to the other side of the field very often. And so then you can shift your defense over there and that's what, you know, probabilities tell you that that's a better 
a better uh, scheme than it is to play him straight up because he hits 75% of his ground balls to the right side. And, and that's why you see these shifts in the game. But, um, you know, it depends on the hitter and it depends on, you know, I, I remember facing a guy like um, Matt Holliday and he, when he was with the Rockies, he had a big hole in the inner half and he would swing his stuff up around his neck. So you know you got deep in an account, you can go up high or you could beat him inside. And anything out over the plate, he was going to absolutely kill you. Kind of the same way Alex Rodriguez was. And um, by the time Matt got over to St. Louis, things slowly started to change. And I found myself, oh, trying to beat him on the inner half. And he's, yeah, he's not barreling it up, but he's still hitting base hits over shortstop with it. Right? And you start finding that he's closing up some of these holes and these weaknesses he's had. Now he's not swinging at the high fastball. So, you know, guys become better and they evolve over time. And inside of that evolution, then you have to find some way that you're going to evolve to try to beat that same good hitter. And so, you know, it's this cat and mouse game constantly. Um, and every team is just trying to do the best they can at, at, clean, at, at closing up all their weaknesses so that way they can have a good, a good season. Well, looking at this rotation, I think one of the big questions for everybody, because I've seen some projections, some systems, taking numbers and crunching them all and saying that Trevor Bauer is going to be the ace. There's lots of folks who remember the six-and-a-half ERA he posted as a red last year after coming over in the trade. When you look at the top three guys, and, and maybe even throw uh, Disco and Mally in there as well, who do you think ends this year as the ace, the best guy? Ace of the staff. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say on this club. It's also tougher. It's tougher for me to, to, to understand these things the less I'm in the locker room, right? The further sure. I'm removed year after year from that locker room, you know, there's a real sense of of who players are when you shower with them every day and you hang with them and you watch them eat and you see how insecure they are, how confident they are in their normal life about playing golf or in their relationship with their wife or their girlfriend, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of subtle things that tell you about someone's character. And a lot of times if you build that, that put all the dots together, basically in that person's character, you can kind of foreshadow what will happen when they have start the season at a five and a half ERA. Is he, does he have the ability to grind back to a three, nine before the season's over? Or does he have to get off to a good start in order to feel good about himself? Right. We see it in the game of golf. You see it in a lot of things. Do do you play up your first bad three holes? Can you come back from that? Right. I was a guy who, who, could always find a way to give you 20 quality starts no matter how my season started. Whether it was good or bad or indifferent, it was probably going to shake out somewhere around, you know, 20 quality starts. It's just what I did, right? right. And so so mixed with my easygoing personality and the consistency of my personality and I wasn't ever mad in the locker room one day and then the next day being super jokey or, you know, being super late one day and then on time for the next three, like I was always consistent, right? With my tipping with the clubhouse guys and what I ate for breakfast, all these things matter. It tells you something about someone's personality. And so the more that I'm removed from the locker room and I really don't know guys like Sonny Gray or Trevor Bauer well, you know, I play golf with Sonny and we chew the fat a little bit, but you need to see these guys day in and day out for a while to really know what they're about. And sometimes that can tell you who's going to be the, the who's going to be the ace of a staff year in and year out because you know that that person is more consistent. So yeah, there might be times when you know Edinson Volkens comes in in '06 and he looks like he's the greatest thing going, and Johnny Cueto doesn't look quite as good. But if you map that out over 10 years, who's going to be better? Right, Johnny's going to dominate, right, because he's right. just more consistent with his command and everything about him. And so you know, it's hard for me to say that. Um, looking at what I watched last year. Sonny had a really had a really good season. He kind of snuck up the backside, right? Trevor got off to a really good start, had some really good outings. His numbers are a little deceiving because he got his butt kicked so hard a couple of times, mm. it skewed his numbers. Um, and then Castillo, you know, was was a horse 
you know, for mo- for most of the season, you know, and and I, I would I would say if you're going to map out over the next four, five, six, seven years based on their health, their age, what I've seen in the past, I think Louie is going to be the guy who probably can be the most consistent. I think you know his stuff is just so dominating. He throws strikes. The changeup, the fastball changeup combination with high velocity is really, really hard to 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 hit, right? Um, I think Sonny, Sonny's got a riding fastball. He's got really good stuff. I think Trevor and Sonny pitch a little bit too at max, a little bit too at max effort, mm. a little bit. I think you know it's why Bauer throws a little bit too too many pitches. He's always got a high pitch count, but he also has a high volume. He he can go deep in games. He can throw 120 pitches and survive. You know he's a big strong guy. Um, but I think if if Sonny and Trevor could dial it back just a little bit and take the pet take the pedal. Uh, not put the pedal to the metal all the time. Be able to pitch a little bit more easy early in the game or when they're not in trouble and get some outs without having to throw so many pitches and strike out so many guys. I think that would put them at that that number one level that they're looking at. You know, in my mind, they're both like number twos because of it. Right. I, and I think, and that's the one thing with like adding to the lineup and the whole idea kind of jokingly was hashtag get the hitting this offseason. I feel like they've done that. So I, I really hope that it changes the differential because I, I saw like some numbers like they scored 351 runs at home they scored 350 runs on the road and they actually allowed more runs at home than they did on the road and they had a better record so i think if they close that gap they start scoring a lot more that record is going to get better right uh bronson i really appreciate your time man here just to close it out uh, if if you don't mind give us a little sneak peek you say you're you're writing an album Got it coming out. Um, I know that you you play a lot of cover stuff with Pearl Jam and things like that. It, is it kind of the feel of Pearl Jam, or how does how does this new album feel? Yeah, it's a it's a rock record for sure. It's um, you know, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of songs that are going to make the record. We recorded about thir- I wrote twenty four songs. I think we recorded thirteen of them, and I think probably a few will get left on the cutting room floor. I think you'll probably have ten make the record. There's a couple of um, kind of pretty. Pretty uh, semi-folky, semi-luminaires-ish. Um, there's a couple of, of really pretty songs on there like that. But other than that, it's pretty much straight down the pipe rock and roll. You know, it sounds a little bit like a, a garage band at times, you know. Um, I wanted these guys to feel like it was five guys in a room just playing live. And I didn't want it to be too too layered. So it's basically two electric guitars, you know, a bass and, and a guy on drums and me singing. And, um, you know, I, I just, I wasn't trying to conjure anything. I was just trying to write... Um, whatever I could write, to be honest with you. I'd never written original songs. So I would come to the studio with an idea and I would write with Elliot Sloan from Blessed Union of Souls here in Cincinnati mm-hmm. or a kid named um, Chris Lambert, both, both musicians from town here. And I would take ideas from the band and bring ideas myself. And I'd, I'd come to the studio and it would take me about four hours. And he'd say, you know, they'd say, what do you want to write this about today? And I was trying to write from an outside perspective. So I'd written, I wrote one song about Ted Bundy. And, I, and then one day I wrote a song about, you know, I just said, um, just imagine it's 1975, you're riding down the Sunset Strip in a drop-top car, it's a perfect night out, it's 80 degrees, and the stars are shining, you're with your girl, and nothing could be better, mm-hmm. right? You know, I was trying to just write from an outside perspective, because most people are writing from some sort of an emotional, internal thing, but I've always had a way of the glass being half full, and so it's very difficult for me to write stuff that I enjoyed listening to, like Pearl Jam, right. or Stained. Or Creed, because a lot of the stuff felt like it was coming from angst. Yeah, yeah, or Alice in Chains. You know, it felt like that stuff was coming from angst, and I wanted to try to write from that perspective a little bit without it being so personal to me. And so I think, you know, the thread that goes through the whole record that is me is kind of like, you know, live for the moment. Like present tense is all we got. Don't worry about what will happen tomorrow, and don't be, 
you know, don't be anxious or fearful about it, but, and also don't uh, just continue to beat yourself up um, with the things that have happened in the past. And that, that, you know, that sentiment is also what made me who I was on the baseball field. Because when I left the locker room every day, when I walked out of there, whether it was my friends, my agent, or my girlfriend waiting for me outside, they would have no idea if I threw a no hitter or if I gave up 10 runs in the first inning, right? There was no way they could tell. And because I didn't bring the past home. Right. And it's very valuable to be, um, to have that type of a mindset in a game that you're constantly failing. You know, if you're a great hitter, you're losing 70% of the time. And if you're, even if you're, a, you know, you pitch 32 times, you're probably going to get your butt kicked 10 of them. Yeah. Right. And so, so that perspective um, really helped me out on the baseball field. And it's, it's, it's the thread that goes through the record. But the songs are, the song, you know, I've played the songs for people. And, and um, I think the best compliment I've gotten, you know, I, I played them, I played 12 of the demos for Eddie Vedder before I ever recorded them, just like the original, original demos. And um, I played them for people and just said, you know, what do you think? And, and uh, they're like, you know, it, it, it sounds like you. It doesn't sound like anybody else, which is, which is cool because I wasn't trying to conjure anything. And whatever it came out to be is what it came out to be. And hopefully, you know, I'll get an opportunity to play these songs for people and hopefully they'll enjoy them. I'm going to look forward to, for that coming out. And uh, you guys make sure to look forward to. He is the ace of the staff of the Locked On Reds podcast, Bronson Royal. Bronson, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. All right, cool. Always awesome getting to talk to Bronson for the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I mentioned, if you missed the first part of our chat, check it out. It's on Monday's episode for the two parts of the Bronson Arroyo interview. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to jump into some spring training storylines. I saw something interesting. We're going to talk about Sonny Gray. going to focus in on him for tomorrow's podcast. Also have the Reds killer of the day forthcoming on tomorrow's episode and the best way to not miss any episodes whether it be interviews or segments that i've got or just me rambling about our good old red legs is to subscribe on whatever platform you are currently consuming this podcast on also follow me on twitter at jeff Carr with three f's and follow the show at locked on reds and check out the blog at lockedonreds.com and also if you've got reactions, questions, comments, something that you thought was funny, if, if you want to know what my favorite color is, hit up the Locked on Reds line at 513-549-0159. We'll have us a couple of segments the rest of this week on the Locked on Reds line answering questions and responding to fan takes and that nature. Got a couple of good ones in there already. Make sure you get yours in at 513-549-0159. Also, later on in the week, look for it. We just had the ace of the Locked On Reds podcast on. We'll have the official friend of the podcast, Mo Egger, will be on later this week. Again, thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Tuesday. My name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.